Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing great today, Jordan. How are you? I'm great. I'm how's, great. How's the new job? You're... Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, thank you for asking. Uh, First Fruits of Zion, I'm really loving working there. I'm loving my coworkers. Um, I'm missing working here. Uh, it's, a, it's a bittersweet time, but yeah. Well, we miss having you around here, but we want you to be where God wants you to be, and I'm still so thankful that you're still around and we still get to do this and um, still get to to live life together and worship our Lord together. And so I appreciate that. So I'm excited for you. Of course, we miss you, but uh, thankful that we get to keep going with this podcast at least. Amen. And that's actually a good transition into the topic for today. So we're talking about giving and tithing, but I think it's good to point out that as of Sunday, I'm no longer working for First Baptist. I'm I'm here as a a layman as a church member and rather than a uh, staff a member or employee. So I come up with the questions as I always do myself. These are questions that I'm asking to try and get to the bottom of what we're talking about, which is tithing. Yeah, I, I want to understand it better, and I hope that with God's help, I'll understand it better. You'll understand it better, Jeff. And listeners, you'll understand it better. Um, and with God's help, we'll, we'll get there. Um, thank you, listeners, for your constant support, and may God— Bless you for your faithfulness on the path of discipleship with Jesus Christ and for exploring these things with us. Yeah, and I'll just say that anytime we talk about giving, all of a sudden it's like the air gets sucked out of the room. You know, everybody gets really tense. In fact, I was just at the gym and uh, they were asking me, What'd you preach about this past Sunday? People that don't go to our church. And uh, I said, I talked about giving. And they're like, Oh, wow, was everybody tense? I said, Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's such an integral part of discipleship that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And part of the, the, the strength that He has endowed to us. Us is a financial strength, the ability to to have resources to procure that which we need to live, and um, he calls us to be generous with all of the things that he gives to us, our gifts, talents, abilities, and our financial resources. And so, I would just say at the outset, it's important to note. Obviously, you've noted that you're not an employee of the church anymore. Mm-hmm. And as an employee of the church, your paycheck came out of the giving. Um, As an employee of the church, my paycheck comes out of the giving, but I want to be remarkably clear, I give too, I tithe too, we're all in this together, so it doesn't matter where my paycheck comes from, I'm still giving, I'm still tithing as an act of worship to the Lord, and so it when I was a little kid, I always thought, well, you know, they pass the the plate around the room and, and that's the preacher's paycheck. Well, that that's not how that works. Um, first of all, we have uh, a, a large budget here at the church. And so we are all contributing toward the work of Almighty God through First Baptist Church uh, as we give. But, but even more than that, the heart of our giving is from a place of worship that God... I am responding to you in obedience, in trust, in faith, and I will do that with every part of my life. And the old adage, and I think I shared this on Sunday, is that the last part of a person to get saved is their wallet or their pocketbook. And it's such a shame because 
Of course, it stretches us to give, to give faithfully, to give generously, to give even sacrificially. Of course, it stretches us because, well, we can very easily look around and say, oh, I could use that amount of money to do X, Y, or Z. But I was talking with a friend and mentor of mine who said that he actually delayed getting saved because of the fear of tithing. Hmm. And he said, I just didn't think I could do it. So I just, if I couldn't, if I couldn't follow Jesus with all, all of me, I wasn't going to follow Jesus at all. And he said, finally, I just was so compelled to give my life to Jesus and to, and to start tithing. And he said, I've found that it's a lot easier to live on 90% and a lot harder to live on 100%. And I thought there was such wisdom in that. And uh, I can echo that, that when you live in obedience to the Lord, um, God blesses in, in ways that are um, inexplicable to our previous selves who have yet to submit and surrender in those areas of our lives to the Lord. So it's just a very interesting subject, but I don't want it to be a subject that makes everybody uncomfortable. Um, but rather a, a yet another call to obedience from Almighty God for all of us. We're all in this together. And let me say one other word. I don't mean to hijack the podcast right now. It's our podcast. Well, it's your podcast. <laughs> well, it's ours together. Um, but I have seen so many stomach-turning things, particularly through TV preachers, that make me nauseous. And um, so I want to be very clear. When we're talking about this, we're not talking about buying the preacher an airplane. We're not talking about funding some lavish mansion. I don't live in a mansion. You know, there's none of those things. Um, I do not believe that, that, that God illustrates his blessing through exorbitant financial gain on the part of his servants and uh, all those sorts of things. Now, that's not to say that God doesn't bless people with, with material means, uh, doesn't mean that at all. Um, but there is this pervasive theology, particularly among TV preachers that, you know, if you're living a godly life, then you're loaded. <laughs> that is, you can just look through church history and see, uh, look at Jesus himself, you know? Um, now, even if you look at the disciples, they, they were folks of different levels of means, uh, all endowed to them by God and all expected by God to be used in worshiping him and um, blessing those around us. But yeah, there's no sense here in which any, anyone on our staff is seeking to get rich uh, off the giving. No, we all give. And as I said Sunday, I'll say again, you should expect your church staff to give. You should expect your church staff to tithe. And uh, you should certainly expect your pastor to do that. And I just want you to know that we're all in this together. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. I think it's important to know all of that and know that First Baptist is about giving. Um, the, the church is about giving. It's not about uh, taking. And we'll, we'll get into that here. So this week, our scripture passage is 2 Corinthians 9, 16 through 15. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. 
For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Okay, so as we've talked about, giving can be an uncomfortable subject, but it is throughout the Bible, and it seems to go all the way back even into Genesis. So can you give us a rough sketch of what giving and tithing looked like then and how we get to today? Yeah, so we first see the the practice of giving a tenth uh, with Abraham and Melchizedek, and Abraham gives a tenth of the spoil to Melchizedek, and, and Hebrews picks that up and talks about just how Abraham was was honoring the greater, uh, was honoring Melchizedek by giving a tenth um, to him. But then when we come into further into Torah, into the into the Pentateuch, we see um, that tithing is commanded. So the Levites would receive a tithe. The Levites didn't have an inheritance. Their inheritance was the tithe. And so all the tribes were to give a tithe, uh, a tenth of, of their produce and, and um, all of the fruit of their land to the Levites. So then when we come further into the Pentateuch, into the Torah, we see um, in Numbers and in Deuteronomy that the tithe is commanded, that the Levites would receive a tithe from the people, and then that the Levites would themselves tithe to the priests. And so there was a tithe of the tithe that was given from the Levites to the priests. And that practice was followed uh, throughout the Old Testament. And when we come to Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, part of God calling his people to repentance was calling them to obey him in giving of the tithe. And I'll read to you Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. God says, From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. And so God is making a general statement here that his people have turned away continually. You can see that theme all throughout the Old Testament. He says, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? So again, God is is saying, you're asking me, how should you repent? Well, here's one way that you need to repent. Verse 8, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. So in this passage, God is saying, look, part of your obedience to me is, again, in every part of who you are, um, and bring the full tithe. You are being disobedient, and you are thereby robbing me. Um, robbing God of glory, robbing God of worship, robbing God of, of what is rightly due to him. Does he need it? No, God doesn't need anything. Uh, the Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You know, metaphorically, the whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Um, so God doesn't need our tithes. God doesn't need our money. Uh, but he calls us to give and to give faithfully. And he tells us in Malachi that part of the disobedience that Israel was exhibiting was a disobedience in their giving. And he even goes so far as to say, put me to the test in this. 
See what happens when you bring the full tithe into the storehouse. See if you are not blessed. See if you are not filled. You have all that you need plus excess. And so um, throughout the Old Testament, we see that that principle taught um, and developed. And then here, obviously, uh, in 2 Corinthians in chapter 8 and chapter 9, but various places in the, in the New Testament, we see the idea of giving to give generously and to give sacrificially that the people who were the first church in Acts chapter 2, they gave so that the community could flourish and the ministry of Almighty God proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ could take place. We see in Acts chapter 4, same thing. They gave generously. They give. They gave sacrificially. They gave so that the needs of God's people might be met and that the ministry might be carried out. Um, and so this principle is, is, is throughout Scripture. And when we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I think it's so vitally important that we see that God loves a cheerful giver, one who is giving not under compulsion, but gladly and giving bountifully, um, participating in, in this particular aspect of discipleship um, and contributing to not only the needs of the saints, but the ministry of the gospel so that, that Christ might be lifted up and people might be drawn unto him. Okay, so is it from some of these passages, particularly in the Torah, that we get the 10% that we talk about a lot? Yeah, and, and it does come through that. And I think that um, you know, there's some degree of discussion on, well, is, is tithing a New Testament principle? And there are theologians on both sides of the issue. Some would say yes, some would say no. Here's what I would say without digging too deeply into the weeds of that theological discussion, and that is this, that if my heart is to say, how little can I give— then I am not worshiping the Lord. I mean, it's like, you know, again, Valentine's Day is this week. And uh, in fact, we're recording this on Valentine's Day. And so if I approach my wife with the, with the idea of what is the bare minimum I can do to get by, then I am not expressed. She's not going to appreciate that, you know. Um, and so what I would say is uh, I know a, a tenth is a lot. I get it. Every year, my wife and I sit down before the beginning of the year. We look at what our income is going to be, and we do very simple math. Uh, It's pretty straightforward. You multiply by 0.1, and that tells you, you know, and then you divide out the number of paychecks, and it's like, that's a lot of money. Um, But what's interesting is the temptation is certainly there to say, oh, think of all the things we could do. Think of the sort of house we could have or the sort of vehicles or we, you know, whatever that, whatever that is. But then there's a great joy in that obedience. And it's kind of inexplicable. You kind of have to step across that line. And I'll tell you, the first time uh, I stepped into tithing as a young adult, um, I had someone in my life whose identity I will not reveal who told me I was an idiot. I was going to break myself. I would never make it. That's ridiculous. The church doesn't need all that money. And my response was, well, it's not about the church. Yes, I'm giving that tithe to the church because I believe in supporting the ministry of the local church where my family is planted and rooted. Um, And then going above and beyond that in various ways and supporting other ministries as well. But it's not about fulfilling the needs of the church. You know, this, this individual said to me, the church doesn't need all that money. There are other people who are giving. And I said, well, it's, it's not about running the church. It's not about the other people. 
this is about my heart toward God. And so I'm going to step out on this limb with the Lord. And I can tell you from experience, God has always been faithful. I haven't missed a meal. In fact, I've had more than enough. I had to lose 140 pounds. You know, I mean, so so I have I have not suffered, um, but I can tell you that that it's been a blessing. I, let me reiterate, though, it's a stretch every single year. It's a stretch to look. Now, I, I like to do things. I like to decide things once. I'm not deciding every week what my giving's going to be. My wife and I decide at the beginning of the year what our giving's going to be, and we divide that by our number of paychecks, and honestly, we have it deducted from the check. Um, and we do that intentionally because it's easy to forget, you know, it's, or it's easy to get busy, particularly with my job, and not be sitting there when the offering plate comes by. Um, and there have been times when we were putting – putting it in the plate and I was busy with a baptism. And so it didn't get in the plate. And then, you know, it's just, I want that to be systematic. I want that to be a discipline. I want that to be predetermined. And I'll tell you, um, if you live in that faithfulness, God is faithful. I, I just test him in this. He says this in Malachi, test him in this and see if he does not bless you. One, I love the image of you in the baptismal shouting, wait, hold the plate. <laughs> wait up. <laughs> I've got to check in my waiters. <laughs> uh, two, I think that's really insightful that the tithe is not about, it's not about the church and it's not wholly about who you're giving it to if it's, you know, if it's an individual or something like that. It, let me rephrase that. Two, I think it's really insightful that a large portion of why we're supposed to tithe is that it's supposed to change us. It's supposed to shape us. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to make us more giving and more generous like our Father in Heaven. Well, and I've had people who get mad at their church, and so they stop giving. And from a pastoral perspective, um, have I ever been a part of a church that did something I didn't like and I was tempted? Of course. Um, well, I'm not going to support that, you know. But again— to me, it is, it, is, it is an issue of my heart and God, and it is an issue of worship to God, and it is an issue of being within the context of my local church and, and supporting that entity of which I am a beneficiary, um, but also supporting the ministry that I'm a part of. You know, if I'm if I'm part of a local church, then I'm part of that ministry. I'm it's called to be part of that ministry, and so I want to worship God through giving. But again, let me re, let me reiterate: this individual said the church doesn't need all that money. Well, it's it's not about the church needing money. Yes, we have a facility. We we have lights on right now. It costs money to do the things that that God has called us to do, and so there is a need to be met. But I can tell you, the greater need is within me mm -hmm. to trust and follow Jesus with every area of my life. And uh, again, please don't hear any sort of pride or arrogance in that. There is none. Uh, every year when we sit down and decide what that number is going to be, there's a wince. It's like, ugh, we could, you know. Um, but again, God is faithful. Yeah. When you were describing that, it made me think about marriage and how you know, you're you're dedicating resources and time and effort into your marriage. You know, it does benefit you, but it benefits your spouse. You know, it's, uh, you know, in being faithful and being, you know, good to your spouse, like on the, you know, on the surface, it looks like it's just, you know, you doing things for the good of your spouse, mm -hmm. but also that benefits you. It's shaping you into 
a more giving person is shaping yeah. you into a more selfless person and into a person who's more like Christ as as a husband, you know, Paul says that it's shaping me into being more like Christ, being more sacrificial and giving for my wife, even to the point of death, to uh, save her life like my Lord. That's right. That's right. So that takes us into today's listener question. Listeners, if you have a question, just go to the link in the show notes or comment in the post below. Jeff, is the Sabbath rest a kind of tithe for time? It's even one of the Ten Commandments. Hey, so it's a tithe of the commandments. Look at yeah. there. You know, I think that's a really insightful question from a really insightful listener because the heart of tithing is trust in God. Um, and the heart of the Sabbath rest is trust in God. And I think for us in today's 24-7 culture, it is tempting to be um, what, what the common vernacular would say, to be grinding, to be working all the time, beyond your grind. And, um, and when I take a Sabbath rest, what I am saying is that my life does not depend on me. It depends on God. The world does not depend on me. It depends on God. Um, <laughs> I heard an analogy one time talking about the Sabbath rest, and then even in just talking about our place in, in the cosmos. And it, it, it's you think of a great river, and you put your raft on the river, and the river is not flowing because your raft is there. You are traveling because the river is flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not on the river, the river's still flowing. And taking a Sabbath rest is a reminder that God is not dependent on what you can get done. No, God calls you to rest in Him. So we think of Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. That doesn't mean we don't ever do anything. But God has explicitly commanded that we set aside certain time to rest, to worship, um, but but really that worship is resting in him, trusting that he is God and trusting that he will get us where we need to get. He will take us where we need to go and he will sustain us along the way. So it's not about necessarily how hard we can hustle all the time, but taking that Sabbath rest is intentionally worshiping God by stopping work so that I might rest in and magnify him. But it's an issue, just like tithing, just like giving, it's an issue of the heart. It's, it's this idea, if we think about giving, oh, I've got to have all of that money to live. And God says, no, you don't. I can bless you beyond that. Well, in terms of time, you know, sometimes we feel like, oh, I've got to have all of that time to function. And God says, no, you don't. Trust me with your time. And you think about it, those are the two greatest resources we have outside of God himself, time and money. Mm-hmm. Um, money I can lose because I can make that back up again. Time I can't, you know. But when I set aside time to trust the Lord, um, just as he set aside time in the very days of creation, he rested on the seventh day as, as a pattern, a prescriptive pattern for us, that just as God rested, not because he needed to, but because he did, he did as a pattern for us to show us that there is great gain in stopping. And then there's great gain in being industrious. You know, six days you work, and there's a seventh upon which you should rest. Uh, I follow that in my exercise pattern. And I can tell you, sometimes it is remarkably tempting to go exercise uh, on Sunday. Sunday is my rest day uh, from exercise. 
but I've got to allow my body to recover. And if I don't take a rest day, then I'm just driving myself into the ground. So I've got to say, Lord, I'll trust you with my body. Uh, I'll trust you with a day of rest, even though I'm tempted to go and work out or run or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I think that's a very insightful question that, uh, that as we think about our resources, one of our greatest resources is time, and we entrust the Lord with the stewardship of our time as well. Yeah, and it's a statement about God being God, too. Like yeah. you referenced, the creation was made in six days, and God rested on the seventh. So That's right. if we're resting for a day, then we're testifying that the God of creation, the God of the Bible, is the one who's driving our lives, yep. and we're tithing, a, if you will, a seventh of the week to Him. Sure, sure. Yeah. And, and it takes faith. It takes faith. It is a step of trusting and following Jesus, of surrendering to his lordship in our lives. Um, but again, and I say this again, please, please assume humility here because I get it wrong more than I get it right. Um, and I am as much a work in progress as anybody. But um, there is just great value in obeying the Lord in these things and um, letting him call us to, to greater faithfulness by his Holy Spirit and his word. Amen. Jeff, can you pray us out today? Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we trust you. And if we trust you with our eternity, I pray that we would be more faithful in trusting you with our income, trusting you with our resources. Jesus, you said in the Sermon on the Mount that we should not lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but that we should lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For you said, Jesus, where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. It's interesting, Lord, that you didn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. But you said where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So help us to make that investment, to give generously in worship to you. For Lord, you are worthy of all that we are. Help us to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Help us to love you with the resources you have entrusted to our care, recognizing that we are not owners, but rather stewards of that which belongs to you. Help us to be faithful, that Jesus would be glorified, that the ministry of the gospel would flourish everywhere we go. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley.